0: Hi everybody, I'm Cess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Kate Toon is an award-winning entrepreneur, digital educator, SEO and copywriting consultant, coach, speaker, podcaster, and the best-selling author of The Misfit Entrepreneur. I feel tired just listening to all her achievements. And the amazing thing is, Kate has crafted a career as a digital mastermind while working from home and raising her son. She's just about to jet off to Europe for a series of speaking engagements. She really is living the good life. But before she does, she's joining us to chat about her new book, Six Figures in School Hours, which is chock full of valuable advice for how you can get over parent guilt, run a business and live a great life. Kate Toon, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my pleasure. Now our audience would be very familiar with you because of all your fantastic marketing tips and copywriting tips and SEO and SEM. You're like the digital marketing whiz, but we're not here to talk about any of that today because something super exciting is happening. You have written a fantastic book and I'm I'm going to be diving into that with you today. Now, eight Six figures in school hours what what was the impetus for writing this book
1: well for starters i just thought that's such a good title so it's six figures in school hours how to run a successful business and still be a good parent um and i think it's the book i wish i'd always had you know it's the book i wish i'd had when i'd started my business i was 5 months pregnant when I founded my business 14 years ago and I didn't have a clue. And so, yeah, it's the book I book I wanted really, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's a familiar story for so many of our listeners because they often have started their business as a bit of a solo project while, you know, the, the kids are running around the house and they're little tackers and there's that serious juggle going on of how to do it and how to have it all, and it can be just uh, mind-bogglingly difficult. <laughs> no one prepares you for for it's how that can me. Yeah. yeah,
1: very overwhelming. And I think what you end up doing is you know feeling torn in two and feeling like you're actually doing a terrible job of both you're being a you're not being a, a present parent and you're being a kind of half-assed business owner and so you just feel bad at both things you know and I think that's over time that really wears you down um, and you're kind of looking at other people having successes and doing things and thinking why isn't this happening for me and so yeah I wanted to kind of write something that tackled what I think are really the five core areas that people need to focus on. And so hence the book was born. Delightful. Now, what made you
0: start your own business to begin with? Let's just give the listeners a little bit of a background.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was this exact reason. I was working in advertising full time and I got pregnant, which was unexpected because we'd been told that we couldn't have kids. So we had no plan in place. We had no money in the bank. We had no real support system. My partner at the time had just started his own business and he had exactly one customer. Um, And as I said, I was working in a very senior job in an ad agency and I basically had two paths. I could either keep the job and have a brief maternity leave and then go back or I could stop and try and find another job that would fit in around me trying to be a pretty much a full time mum option two didn't seem very realistic. So I decided I would start my own thing. So the impetus was really trying to find something that fit in with my baby because I wanted to spend as much time with him as possible because, you know, he was such a surprise. I mean, I would have done anyway, but you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. (laughs) And I was also deeply, deeply unhappy in my day job, you know, and uh, I'm eternally grateful to my son for coming along because I'm not sure I'd ever been brave enough to just leave of my own volition. Hmm.
0: So how did that end up working out though? You know, you, you <laughs> start the business cause you, you want to be able to still work and still spend time with, with your your family, but the realities of the day to day are pretty complex.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be really honest here and say the first year was just S don't want to swear on this podcast. <laughs> it was just rubbish. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, It was a glorious success, it was glamorous, it was fabulous, it was a real struggle. You know, I'd worked in agency, Um, I set myself up as kind of a a jack of all trades, Jill of all trades, bit of web development, bit of graphic design, bit of copywriting. I was really bad at the web design and and graphic design. Um, And, um, you know, I worked when I could, but I was just relentlessly tired, we had no money, I had no clients, and I had no clue how to run a business, because, you know, working in a business is one thing, running a business is another one. So yeah, it was it was hard, yakka that first year. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Mm. And uh, like, I also part of the title is you know the being a good parent mm. part of things. How did that side of things shape up?
1: Well, you know, you like to think that you've always put your kids first and that parenting is your priority, but I'm not sure I ever really sat down and thought hard about what kind of parent I wanted to be. Um, what that. Manifested, You know, you can say, oh, I want to be a really loving parent. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're a hugger? Does that mean this? Does that mean that? And also, you know, the child you get often dictates the kind of parent you are. You know, you could say you're going to be a super calm parent and then you get, you know, a kid that's super hyperactive and busy or a really quiet kid. So I don't know if I ever really took a step back and thought about my parenting skills and what I definitely didn't do and what this book helps you do is really look at your parenting values and goals and see how much they are in conflict with your business goals. You know, because often the things we want to be as parents are in direct conflict with the things we want to be as business owners. Quick example of that is, you know, I'd love to have an international business and have clients in America and the UK and Europe. And I do to some degree, but I am just not willing to sacrifice the evenings with my son. To be up dealing with clients in the u k or dealing with customers in the u k who come online at like six p m seven p m and so i've you know I can't have both, so I've got to make a call mm. uh,
0: so in terms of the book, what kind of advice should people be expecting from you? Yeah um, you know there's so many of those. Hideous self help books that just make me <laughs> want to vomit, but <laughs> I'm hoping it's not one of I'm those. Hey? It's
1: not one of those. <laughs> I it's no, well, I'm you know, I remember people raving about the four hour work week, and I remember thinking, well, that's all very well and good, but it doesn't sound to me like he has kids or that he has a primary uh, carer for his kids, you know. And then there's a lot of kind of mummy books that are all about manifesting and you know, dream catchers. And I wanted something that was for parents. It's not aimed at mums or dads because I know a lot of dads who do a lot of parenting too. Um, and I've really broken it down into five chunks. So mindset, which I know sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's about really thinking about who you want to be, uh, you know, eradicating guilt, parent guilt, um, and, and and just looking at what what your why is and what what does a good parent mean to you? What does a good business mean to you? You know, your metrics of success. So mindset, lots about productivity you know there's no magic wand that you can you know wave over someone's business and give them 20 more hours a week so how can you really get the maximum juice out of the time that you have the next chunk is money uh, which I think you know I avoided looking at my money for a long time got me into lots of trouble which I know lots of freelancers and small business owners do And then it's all about communication, uh, family involvement. And finally, we wrap it all up with a bit of self-care, the whole idea that you need to put your own oxygen mask on first, um, you know, and not just, you know, sacrifice yourself on the altar of parenting or business so that you end up completely burned out to a frazzle. Mm,
0: That sounds like all very practical, accessible advice there.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not promising a get rich quick scheme. I'm not saying that you'll be able to work a four hour work week because frankly, I don't believe that's possible for most people. And even the six figures in the title, I mean, that's flexible. That could be six figure net profit, gross profit, after tax, before tax. Your six figures is up to you, uh, you know, and it's not about some kind of overnight solution. For me, it's been lots and lots of small shifts, you know, tiny little improvements each day that have gotten me to where I am today, you know, and yeah, that's what I want to pass on to the readers.
0: So how anecdotal is it? How much of the Cape tune life are we seeing on the paper and, and the personal advice from experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's not my life story. I wrote a previous book, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which was very much me, me, me. And I really didn't want this book to be me, 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 because, you know, it's not really about me. So there's, you know, my wisdom, I hope, a few uh, stories from my life, but not many. And actually what I've done is, you know, I spoke to many, 40, 50 other business owners, mums, dads, e-commerce store owners, small businesses, freelancers, and I've woven... Or weaved. I'm um, not very good at English. Uh, their stories through the book, uh, so that it's lots of different people's perspectives. Uh, yeah, so it's a mix. It's a mix of me, a mix of just practical advice. Also, other great thinkers. You know, I've read a lot. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Ideas I've picked up along the way. So it's a, it's a, a veritable tapestry of different uh, strings. I think. Listen to you, copywriter. <laughs> I don't know the difference between woven and weaved, but I can say tapestry, so there we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's um, dive into those chunks a little then. Um, mindset, let's start with that. So what do you think is the key to being successful in that balance of of parenting and work and, and, and life? Look,
1: like, I mean... There's a lot in that chunk. But if I were to pick one element, it would be to really that I think is prevalent for a lot of people. It was it was to try and eradicate the guilt, you know, to try and eradicate that feeling when you're working that you should be with your kids. And when you're with your kids, you should be working and to either be doing one or the other. I think a lot of parents struggle because they do try and weave it all in together. Um, And, you know, what I want for everybody is to be able to compartmentalize so they can be present for their business and present for their kids rather than kind of halfway each there. And so really examining that guilt, you know, I've broken down some really interesting thoughts there around, you know, childhood wasn't even a notion until, you know, around the 17th, 18th century. Kids were not considered children. They were just considered small adults. There was no idea of parenting a child. You know, and while I'm not advocating shoving kids up a chimney at seven, I do think that's <laughs> I do think it's interesting how things have changed. You know, we're only 50 years since rich parents saw their kid for an hour at tea time. We're only 40 years since kids were sent out to play at, after school and not come back until tea time. You know, our notion of parenting has changed a lot and it puts a lot of pressure on us. You know, there's nothing wrong with earning money. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your job or getting a sense of fulfillment from your business. And it doesn't have to be in conflict with your role as a parent. Um, so that was the biggest part of mindset for me.
0: But but so how would you suggest managing that conflict? Because I think a lot of time that is the issue. People feel really kind of split asunder almost. It's like work kids, work family, like that constant um pulling it, it can be so difficult to manage
1: yeah I mean I've got oodles of, of different uh, ideas in there, and then obviously not everyone will work for everybody but you know what worked for me was accepting that some people work a lot more hours than I do and you know their, their kids turn out absolutely fine I could sit and stare at my child for 12 hours a day doing jigsaws with him would that teach him Self-reliance and the ability to entertain himself with that teaching responsibility and all that. No, you know, kids need time alone and doing their own thing. I think it's also about not comparing yourself to, you know, societal and media versions of what great parenting looks like. And to realize that even if you're, to be honest, it sounds a bit trite, but even if you're having these thoughts, you know, you're worrying about how much time you're spending with your kids, it probably means you're doing okay. And also that there's going to be periods where you're an excellent parent and periods where you're an excellent business owner. And they may not even be in the same day or the same week. You know, we go through phases, um, but it's about prioritizing as well. And maybe saying, you know, I can have it all. But maybe not today, and being a bit more patient, you know there's lots of things I would have liked to have done in my business a lot sooner. I couldn't do them because I wasn't willing to sacrifice the time with my son, and it it all works out in the end, so being a bit patient, and the big mantra from the book is the world will wait you know if you don't get that thing out today or this week, if you don't win that client this week there's there's time right we have plenty of time, so just having that patience, I think is a big factor as well
0: also um not comparing yourself to other businesses and other families, or whatever. Like I think that is a really key thing too.
1: Oh, huge! I mean, I have only one child, so relatively easy compared to some. But you know, I have no family here. We moved away from Sydney to make our life more affordable. That was one of those compromises. You know, I don't have any generational wealth. Uh, I don't have, you know, a rich partner. Um, I have a lot of privilege, you know, I'm white, I'm, I'm living in a Western country, I went to university. So it's acknowledging all of that. And if you're going to compare yourself with someone, at the very least, try and compare yourself to someone with a similar situation. Um, and also, you know, compare yourself in a positive way or maybe they they inspire you. Great. But if they give you the ics, stop looking at what they're doing because there's no prize at the end of all of this. No one's, you know, I can win an award. I can, you know, do this or whatever, get a nice testimonial, but there's no prize at the end of any of this, you know, it says, well done. You did a great job of raising your child. You'll never really know if what you did today is going to work out, you know? Um, uh, and, and there's no prize for business either. Uh, it's, I, I have a, section in the book that talks about resume life and epitaph life you know what do people say at your funeral (laughs) and what's on tv and sometimes those things will be in conflict with each other and you're gonna have to make a choice yeah
0: so then in that case what is successful business for you and what is being a good parent for you
1: well you know I did a lot on the good parenting thing because I think that's a very divisive and subjective notion um And I think being a good parent is different for everybody, you know, so uh, we study, we talk in the book a little bit about parenting styles. And, you know, one style that you've probably heard of is tiger parenting, you know, which is where you really want the best for your kids academically. You want to push them. Uh, And to some that would seem a bit harsh, you know, to be forcing your kids to do homework and having tutors. But for some parents, that equates to good parenting. For me, I realize that I'm somewhat of an authoritative parent, not authoritarian, but you know, I do have boundaries, I do have rules, I do have expectations, but I can equally be a bit permissive. I can let my son go, he doesn't want to go and do the thing. I'm like, yeah, cool. I wouldn't want to do that either. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it's very much about the love and the encouragement and hopefully giving my son the skills to make the right choices. But also, I really acknowledged when writing this book how little control I actually have. You know, when they're very little, it's all you. But as soon as they go to daycare or school, they have friends, they have, you know, Taekwondo teachers, they have relatives, all of those people are influencing your child as well, not to not least TikTok and the media. So I just want to try and be for me, being a good parent is imbuing my son with the confidence to make good choices um what good choices are we're gonna see he's into his teenage years uh we've already had a few dilemmas he's doing good well so far you know you just want to keep them safe relatively happy i don't think you can keep them happy all the time uh healthy and 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 confidence is big for me because that's something i never had as a child
0: really you would not know that you seem supremely confident
1: Thank you. I've, I've worked on it over the years. I'm, I'm massively insecure and uh, <laughs> I'm a huge introvert, but that doesn't serve me in what I'm wanting to achieve with my business. So I've kind of worked hard to challenge that and, you know, done a lot of speaking and done a lot of things and, you know, practice over time makes those negative feelings ever way, but not completely
0: hmm so there's that um saying you know it takes a village to raise a child is it something similar for
1: your business like oh absolutely I use that line in the book what a cliche uh takes a village to raise a business yeah so I talk in the book about both outsourcing but I also talk about insourcing you know I think we underestimate how much our families are capable of helping us and how much our kids are able to take on responsibilities in the house and that that's not necessarily a bad thing so from a very early age my son was you know feeding the dog emptying the dishwasher these days you know he makes a meal once a week for us he you know gets his lunch ready and and it seems small but those little actions that he does in the morning save me probably half an hour every morning you know and those half hours build up you know it's not that I use them necessarily for business maybe I use them to walk the dog or to go shopping but it just helps you know unburden me um, and then in my business, you know, having other people, when you get to a point where you feel you can financially justify it, it's huge, you know, huge, not just for the physical help and the, you know, the, the intellectual help, but the support, the, the, the camaraderie that you get from working with other people. My son now works for me as well. So that's a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, really? What does he do in the business? So he started off just doing bits and bobs. He started off doing envelopes when he was about seven. Uh, it was very cute, people getting, you know, membership gifts with his seven-year-old scrawl on them. Um, <laughs> now, he then he moved on to doing video editing. He always, you know, he loves anything YouTube-y and making his own videos. So I, he learned how to use a tool called Camtasia and started editing my videos. Now he is a full-time, well, not a full-time, he is a casual employee. He does five hours a week. He does all my social media. So he creates the graphics and schedules them across my three different businesses using Agora Pulse. He sets up events in my Facebook group, and he is starting to make minor edits on the websites as well.
0: Oh, wow. Did did he um, express interest at wanting to do that, or did you just
1: gradually pull him in look I'll admit that I've encouraged it you know like giving him opportunities in the early years this you know I cover this in the book how do you get your kid involved some kids just are never going to want to you know this just who they are he was vaguely interested but not consistently interested you know like most people (laughs) you know the motivation's there one day it's not there the next the big thing for him was um when we went through covid and there was that bit of a financial squeeze especially on my his dad uh his industry kind of went down the toilet we made a decision that we were going to stop kind of giving him random gifts other than for birthday and christmas and if he wanted something big he had to save up for it and he got like a minimal amount of pocket money, you know, for doing chores around the house and, you know, just to help him out. But it was never going to get him where he wanted to go. So he wanted a goal to get this amazing computer and he wanted a way to earn that money. And, you know, he's too young to get a job in the real world. So I offered him this opportunity and he has been really consistent. He's really into it. And 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 it's great for me. You know, like it, some people have questioned it. And what about schoolwork? If it ever started impacting his schoolwork? I would shut it down immediately Um, but you know he would in a year's time you'd be eligible to get a job at like McDonald's or something like that for much less money and I'd be having to drive him there and back and worry about him so this way he gets to interact with all my team have chats learn new skills and do something he really actually enjoys he's very technical he loves loves it so it's worked out really well but it had to has to be to a degree child-led parent encouraged child-led
0: Yeah. So you've got him doing stuff that he's actually interested in and skills that he already has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've encouraged it. And, you know, he needs a prod down again. It's not like every day he's like, oh, hello, please. Can I work? You know, it's school holidays at the moment. He's like, oh, can I do it tomorrow? And I'm like, (laughs) well, you can, but you've made, you know, you made a commitment to, hey, maybe you like Kat, who's my marketing manager. You said you'd have it done for her today. And if you don't get it done, then she's going to have issues and so you know it'd be great if you could just start it and he then he generally does you know so kind of teaching him consequence accountability accountability teamwork you know it's uh, hopefully it'll really serve him well
0: Mm. yeah no I think it will I think it's a great strategy so we've talked a bit about that kind of uh, a family and parenting side of things now the the six figures in school hours and I'm something—that's I'm, something our listeners, I'm sure, would be keen to dive into. So, where does that start? What what role does um, you know, I mean, does it start with your mindset? Like, do you need to set set that vision for yourself and your goals? And and I think, like, I've spoken to a few kind of money experts recently and about money mindset and how often that is dictated by you know, what you've experienced growing up, like your parents' values around money. So if you happen to have had parents who were maybe not that great with their finances, how can you break away from that and make sure that you're setting your money mindset and money values up for success?
1: Yeah, I think I've always been a bit dismissive of money mindset, I must say, because I felt it kind of was in that whole money manifestation area of like, just dream big and it will happen, Um, (laughs) which it isn't, you know. And in the book, this is one of the only chapters that is relatively personal because I do talk about my parents and what they imbued in me. You know, my parents come from very working class stock. My granddad was, both my granddads were coal miners. My dad's the first person to go to university and his family and I'm the second, Um, you know, and they were really of the attitude of never a borrower or a lender be no credit cards, all debt is bad. And we know now that in business, you know, some debt, you have to have some debt sometimes to move forward. Um, And, you know, I had a big mindset of I'm not the kind of person who, you know, so when I did started to make money in my business, I felt very uncomfortable with it, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, and I felt like, you know, the very British way is to be very humble and to play it down and not be a tall poppy. And that that held me back a little bit. You know, it stopped me spending money. It stopped me investing in my business and myself. So definitely, I think that plays a role. And examining that is something that we cover in the book to kind of work out what your, you know, your trigger points are, whatever they are. So you can recognize them and mitigate them as much as you can. But I do think it comes back to mindset because money isn't the only goal. You know, my first goal was time. I wanted time with my son and then as I started to make money it became money and everything was about money and that you know I wanted to pay off my debt I wanted to do this and then you know that this sounds trite to when you're on it's easy to say when you're on the side but when you've earned a bit of money you realize it doesn't actually often make you feel much better (laughs) and then I moved into a whole mindset of oh I want to be famous and I want to speak at things and then I want to be loved and I want to be adored and then all of that has come full circle back to time again So all all it, money for me is inextricably linked with time. You know, you don't want to be trying to exchange your time for money. Sometimes that's unavoidable. But to be really honest about the time that you have, what you can achieve in that, and therefore what's possible financially. And, and you know, I'm I know there's lots of money experts selling this vision that we can all be millionaires. I don't think most of us can. Or I think if we want to be that, we're not willing to make the compromises that are going to get us there. People are always raving on about Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and the Microsoft dude. Nearly all of the top millionaires in the world are divorced or separated, double divorced and have very miserable family lives. So yes, they achieved what they wanted to achieve financially but maybe if they had their time over I mean Elon Musk has said this himself that he would have done things very differently you know so just be careful what you wish for I think.
0: And I think yeah you do need to understand what is most important to you so if you are wanting you know that million dollar business what sacrifices are you mm-hmm. willing to make to get there so yeah. for for our listeners then how can they kind of look at their numbers and get real about what they can achieve and kind of align that with their their um their money mindset and what their plans are for the future
1: yeah I think the first thing is to really you know look at your money goals for me you know I never did that boring work of working out what my family budget was what was essential what was a luxury uh what was savings you know those three different pots you know some things I had in essentials that were really luxuries so really looking at what money you need (laughs) your netflix (laughs) yeah netflix is essential don't be silly that's absurd um uh, (laughs) uh looking at what's essential to you and therefore you know working out what income after you've done your you know your profit first and you put your pot away for expenses and GST and whatever else how much do you need to earn to live Then how much do you need to earn? You know, really, the next thing should be savings. (laughs) But most of us will go to luxuries next. And then how much do you need to earn to make savings? So really just being honest with the numbers and not being frightened of them, even if, like me, you feel like you're financially illiterate. There's some things in the book to really help you break that down, real layman's terms. I am not a money expert, but I sometimes think that's more of a benefit because I could see it from the grunt side not the expert side so my tips are maybe not there like the financial planner level but they're real human level you know so working out how much you want to earn and and breaking it down and then looking at the time you have because even though we don't want to exchange our time for money working out you know that we want to earn I don't know 10 grand a month and we have x amount of hours to work Helps us understand an hourly rate, which whether we sell, tell that to a client or whether we even make, you know, we use it in our business. It helps define things. It really helps you go, what am I doing now? Is this the best use of my time? Am I Am invest- my time costs one hundred and fifty dollars an hour? Should I really be sticking stamps on an envelope? Should I really be cleaning my own toilet? Should I really be reconciling my zero? Or can I find somebody who is at a lower rate, probably does a better job than me, and can do that for me, allowing me to focus on what I do best? But for me, it's like the biggest thing has been not setting myself up for daily failure. You know, if you are working between drop-off and pick-up, you might think you have six hours. You don't, right? By the time you've got home, by the time you've had some wheeze, made a bit of lunch, had a coffee, Uh, even if you are strict and you make sure you don't go to Coles in that time and you don't go and look in the fridge 17 times a day, even if you're super strict, you're lucky if you're going to get five or four and a half. And then from that four and a half, how much of that is billable? How much in that time are you actually doing things that make you money? You know, maybe it doesn't have to be money today. Maybe it's a longer term ROI. I make a real today. In a year's time, somebody who watched it might sign up. But is it genuinely making you money? And if you're real about that, maybe you only have about three to four hours of billable time a week. That changes things. And it really makes you look at your to-do list and say, this silly to-do list I've written with 20 things on it, I was never going to achieve that. I was never going to. So rather than making a 20 thing to do list, I'm going to make a list of three things. I'm going to achieve them and I'm going to finish each day feeling good rather than feeling like I'm constantly on the back foot because that back foot mentality will slow you down.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I really like that you've put it in a way that businesses can actually understand because quite often a business owner doesn't really know the value of
1: their time. No, no. And if you think of that mindset of investing your time rather than spending it, it, it shifts a little bit. It really shifts your your thinking. Um, but also, you know, like if you do the math and you work it all out and you realise that no matter what you do, you're only ever going to be able to earn $60,000, $70,000 this year. You're not going to be able to hit six figures this year. But that you get to take your kids to school, you get to be there when they come home and give them a snack, you get to put them to bed and have weekends with your family. You know, family is short as a short period of time for, for a lot of us you know my son's 13 I've got obviously hopefully comes home when he's older but I've got maybe five more years of living like this you know being a little family unit him going to school him coming home him needing me you know it's the demands change from when they're little I think the demands aren't more for me they are less as a teenager for other parents I know it's more as a teenager because you become a taxi service and you're dealing with a lot of you know emotions and hormones but You know, it's not going to last forever. Uh, There will come a time and I can see it coming for me. And it's a little bit scary when I won't have my son at home and I'll be able to work eight hours a day. And you know what? I will miss the Lego on the table. I will miss the swearing at the computer games. I will miss having someone that makes me stop working at five because I have to go and make dinner. You know, I'll miss it. So I want to enjoy that. And if that means I earn a bit less money now, so be it. Mm. It's
0: a great attitude, I think that um, we're all just so busy sometimes. We just let life, as the cliche goes, pass us by. <laughs> and, yep. and I think that um, your book is a great wake-up call for business owners who are trying
1: to manage business and life uh, with some kind of grace. and Grace. That's a beautiful world. Because we live in this hustle culture and we're sold this lie that we can have it all and we can all be millionaires. And I think for some, yes, you can, you know, and some people will be able to achieve all of that and still do all the things I said, you know, the school bake sale and the making dinner. But if I, you know, I've spoken to countless entrepreneurs over the year for my podcast and I've got a podcast that goes along with the book, Six Figures in School Entrepreneurs, like you have said, you've spoken to thousands of business owners and, you know, there's a few that are doing this stellar job and working three hours a day but there's not that many. Most of us are still working pretty hard. And I wish more people would be honest about that.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been such a pleasure talking to you this morning. Do you have any
1: final advice for our listeners? Well, obviously buy the book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, out for pre-order. It comes out officially at the end of June. Look, I think solidarity you know knowing that it's not just you that everyone goes through these struggles that we all have no idea what we're doing most of us as a parent or in business you know we can put on a good show we can look sexy on Instagram but most of us are are, are, are frantically wondering what to do and so for me writing the book it was actually really cathartic because I spoke to so many business owners who felt just like me and that was really reassuring. You know, as you said, it takes a business, to, a village to run a family and it takes a village to run a business. So find your village. Mm.
0: Thank you, Kate. Thank you for joining me today. And everybody, make sure to head to is www.katetoon.com. Yeah, or sixfiguresinschoolhours.com. Excellent. And I hope we get loads of pre-orders because <laughs> it's a fantastic book. Thank you.